Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You are now listening to the War Report Podcast Network. What's everybody? Welcome back to the College Loop pregame show as we get ready for the Tiger Bowl this Saturday or tomorrow as this comes out for the uh, currently Auburn is on a winning streak in Baton Rouge. But I am here joined today by Mr. Harrison Tartar. Tar, how you doing, buddy? I am doing well, Dylan. Glad to be back on the show. I know we got a doubleheader as we record this one tonight. Um, and uh, we got a lot of content coming out, coming down the stretch before the Tiger Bowl. Nobody really cares that I'm here today, though. We are joined by a new friend of the program, Mr. Peter Rodikus. Welcome, uh, sports editor of the Reveille at LSU. So another student journal, another week, another student journalist. Peter, how you doing, my man? Doing great. Doing great. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Yeah, it's our, our pleasure. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself and where you, what, what you do, where you're from, and what you're, uh, what you're studying in LSU. And uh, then we'll jump into some, some ball. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm Peter Rodicus, like you said. And I'm sports editor at the student paper here at LSU, The Reveille. Actually from Birmingham, Alabama, so a lot of familiar, familiarity with um, – with Auburn and just, you know, Auburn, Alabama, the SEC in general, it's kind of been my been my whole life. I was born in Baton Rouge, but then kind of grew up in um, Birmingham. Senior right here at LSU, you know, studying, you know, journalism, mass communications. Um, and, yeah, you know, looking to get into sports media. Um, you know, it's my senior year, obviously. So we'll see what the future holds in terms of that. But right now, you know, here at the Reveille, I'm having a really good time. That's right. Any other outlets that are listening, if you're looking for a guy, we know a guy who's uh, who's who's who's, a, who's a more than qualified beat writer. Well, Peter, we're going to get into breaking down Auburn, LSU, and the Tiger Bowl. And correct me if I'm wrong, fellas, this is the last annual installment, right? Yep. This one, this one, we know for sure. Georgia's Auburn's kind of still in the up air, depending on the conference realignment. But this one, we know for sure. Last annual installment, which I'm personally a little sad about, um, just because. These games, regardless of how good or bad the team is, for whatever reason, this is one of the most entertaining games on the schedule every single year. And um, it goes back to Auburn winning off of only field goals and then Gus Malzahn putting, slamming on the brakes and LSU coming all the way back before the curse could have been broken, before I could legally vote. Um, and so and instead, I had to wait until I could legally drink beer um, to, uh, to to see Auburn finally break that curse uh, in Baton Rouge. But it's it's just a, full of wonkiness. Um, I mean, even last year, uh, just a year look back, Auburn deciding no thanks on scoring second half points and BK and then the Tigers getting the job done. Um, this is a fun matchup. And I don't really think this year is going to be any different. I really don't. Um, I know that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of upside to LSU and still a lot of hope, like we were speaking about before the, the we hit record, Peter, in Baton Rouge, that LSU can still kind of right the ship and, you know, especially with that big win up in Missouri, find themselves – in the conversation to go back to Atlanta again this year, which is not off the table. Let's look at it from a perspective of Auburn LSU. What does LSU bring to the table that we'll start on the offensive side of the ball? Obviously there's, there's a couple of names that you're going to throw out that everybody's going to know who we're talking about, but things for people to look for against this Auburn defense that has been a bit of a pleasant surprise to Auburn fans this year. Yeah, obviously for LSU on offense, it all starts with Jaden Daniels. Um, you know, just taking a massive step from last year to this year. Was a good quarterback last year, but, you know, had some lows. And the Auburn game was one of them. He had one of his worst games of the season against Auburn. Only threw for 80-something yards in that game. Now fast forward a year to this year, and, you know, he's right there in the conversation as, you know, one of the best, if not the best performing quarterback in the country right now. Um, you know, and that's, you know, the LSU offense has kind of been a, a byproduct of that looking at the success. I mean, it's the, you know, best offense in terms of, in terms of total yards per game in the SEC, um, both running and passing the ball. Logan Diggs, the running back, Cranston Notre Dame has really emerged. Jane Daniels has also been a big threat in the running game, ran for 130 yards against Missouri last week. So it all starts with him. You've also got two really talented wide receivers. You've got Malik Neighbors, who will probably be a first-round pick in the upcoming draft. And then Brian Thomas Jr. has really come on this season. Um, you know, just big red zone threat, um, leads the country in receiving touchdowns right now with nine. 
Um, so they've got, you know, kind of that core is where it all starts. And the offensive line, it's been another, you know, real key to that success. You've got a really talented group right there. You've got two true sophomores at tackles who both started as freshmen last year. Will Campbell and Emory Jones who are both really talented. And then you've kind of got a lot of experience on the interior of that offensive line. Um, you know, the biggest question right now for this week, Charles Turner, the starting center, suffered a little bit of an injury in the last game. Brian Kelly ruled him as probable for this upcoming week. So it looks like he'll play, but will he be 100%? You know, we'll, we'll have to see. Um, you know, Garrett Dellinger, Charles Frazier, um, Miles Frazier, excuse me, um, on, on that interior as well. So just all around a group that, you know, had a lot of experience, returned pretty much everybody from last year and has been dominant to start the season. Now, football game of matchups. Uh, I'm, I'm going to kind of build off of what you just said right there. LSU, prolific offense. And when we get to the Auburn side of the ball, uh, the Auburn side of the offensive game, uh, it's going to be a completely different tale. So just buckle up because prolific's not in the in the dictionary. But for LSU specific, and 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 you know a lot of it re- relies upon, like you said, Jaden Daniels and his health. Um, still looked he looked banged up last week, and that dude is a warrior, by the way. Side side note, but game of matchups here. You talked about that receiving core for LSU. Now this is this week's a test because the, the Auburn DB room is not a joke. What does LSU have to do to establish the run game before they can kind of open up on, on the perimeter and, and utilize those weapons in, in the receiving room? Because Auburn has, in large, done a great job um, uh, on, on, on the back end of, the, of their defense. You've got – I mean, we, we could start listing names. Um, I probably won't. I'll probably just leave it at DJ James, Nehemiah Pritchett, and, and Kindly. But the list goes on. I mean, we have, I didn't even li- list the leader in interceptions in the SEC. Um, and Jalen Simpson, the country, in, in, in the country. Excuse me, I'm sorry, Dylan. I wanted to make sure I was correct on that, but thank you. Uh, the you know the, the nation's leader uh, in, in, in interceptions. What does LSU have to do to make sure that you can get those guys cheating up a little bit um, and, and and get get in that position to really air the ball out? Yeah, like you said, just really establishing the run game. That's something that we saw last week against Missouri. LSU really made a point to establish the run game early on. I think a part of that too was to kind of shorten the game because they knew you know that defense wasn't going to be able to get a lot of stops um and so you know last week we saw logan diggs get 24 carries um Jane daniels had 15 carries and lsu's got other running backs but i but the running game is really going to be concentrated with diggs and Jane daniels and i think you know getting the rpos going getting the read option going with those two is going to be huge in terms of making auburn put extra guys in the box and that's you know what we saw against missouri and where you know we really saw the explosive passing game take off when I think it was early in the second half. Um, you know we saw the big deep shot from Jaden Daniels to Brian Thomas after you know just kind of a whole half of LSU kind of leaning on them because that you know I talked earlier about the LSU offensive line, run blocking is where they've been kind of the most impressive in the way they've just been able to bully teams a little bit up front, allowing for Logan Diggs, who's also just a really hard runner. I mean just the way he runs, he's not the fastest guy in the world in terms of top end speed. He's not a guy who's going to break off, you know, like a 60, 70 yard touchdown run, but he'll get you four yards every time. You know, he'll, if you, if you need a yard at the goal line, he's going to get it. He just, he's that type of back. He's got great vision. So yeah, I mean, that's just going to be one of the biggest keys in this game against this Auburn defense, establishing the run. And I, I really look at Logan Diggs and Jane Daniels to do that. I'm going to ask one more question uh, about, about the LSU offense, Dylan. I'm going to let you talk about the LSU defense and the Auburn offense, which is going to be, I keep saying this phrase all the time, but it's, that's one of the matchups of all time. Not the greatest, but one of the matchups of all time. All right, Peter, if you look at, put yourself in the shoes of an LSU fan and, and, they're, and they're, they're going into a, a must-win game against, against Auburn, specifically at home, what about that Auburn defense concerns you the most in terms of LSU being able to dictate pace of play um, and kind of just operate their offense the way they want to operate it? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, like you mentioned, I look at the back end, I look at a defense that, you know, you've got the leader in the country in interceptions, a team that can force you to make mistakes. And that's what, that's what LSU needs to avoid because giving extra possessions, you know, makes it allows for LSU's defense to be on the field more, which LSU really doesn't want. You know, they got to <laughs> take advantage of, you know, of, of those opportunities where they're not staying on the field because when LSU, the LSU offense is on the field, they're going to score. I mean, they've scored against everybody. And I think that's not going to be too different this week. But I think, you know, Auburn, I mean, for them, the key, I think, is could be opportunistic to try to make LSU make mistakes and create extra possessions. So I think, you know, and I think establishing the run is going to be a big part of that. And, and the good thing for LSU is Jaden Daniels, one of his 
best attributes is his decision making. He's not a guy who, I mean, he only threw three interceptions a year ago. He's got two interceptions on the season so far. He's not a guy that's going to make a lot of just bad decisions throwing the ball. So I think, you know, just protecting the ball is going to be key because I think that's where I worry the most about um, the sovereign defense. Yeah, and don't forget that Hugh Freeze said in the press conference earlier this week that uh, he said, we're not stopping LS- LSU. We need to hold them to field goals. Uh, that's pretty much what he said. So it's like, you're not going to stop them. We might as well need to, we need to hold them to only getting three per drive instead of seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. that leaves a bigger question Can Auburn keep up offensively with LSU's <laughs> offense? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a good point, though, that you mentioned about, you know, holding them to field goals in the red zone, because you look at looking at LSU's losses, I mean, against Florida State, that was kind of the biggest early issue. I mean, obviously, you, know, you look at the box score and you see LSU up 45 points, but LSU very easily could have been up 31-14 at halftime. But first session of the game, Florida State gets a goal line stand and LSU is, you know, gets zero points off of that. Then they get stopped on fourth and two in the red zone again later in the later in the first half. So that's, you know, that's 14 points potentially that you leave. That gets left off the board and i think that's where you know going back to forcing turnover just being opportunistic that's another case where auburn just really has to i think it's going to try to you know hunker down and like you know he freeze was talking about you know not letting three points turn into seven points i'm going to expand on that super super quickly here dylan peter in your opinion is this one of those games where you've got to see aggressive brian kelly and in, in terms of decision making in the red zone uh, you get inside your own 10 yard line and, and is this one of those games you, you just take the points or is this one of those games where you try to hand the ball off or uh, I guess not hand the ball off, but try to make a play uh, and, and go for it on fourth down um, if, if you're in reasonable distance, because we've seen BK do it in the past. Uh, then again, this is the SEC. So there's an element of take the points. I've got a great example. I can pinpoint back to Auburn's last game against Georgia. Don't want to talk about it, but is this one of those take your points or is this one of those get aggressive and try to try to put them bear bury Auburn before they can have any of that weird Auburn tiger magic? Yeah. I mean, I, I think you do need to be aggressive. I think for a couple of different reasons, one, just because of, you know, how much it's LSU defense has struggled. I mean, you need to be getting sevens instead of threes because, you know, more times than not the offense LSU is facing is going to get sevens. Um, and then also, you know, just when you're playing against a team who's trying to pull off an upset, you don't, you can't give them hope. Because, you know, once they start, once they start, you know, once they get that stop or once they hold you to a field goal and once they kind of take advantage of that and get some points, that's where it can start to spiral. And you can start to see, you know, just the underdog. I don't know if I want to say underdog mentality, but you just see the fire start to build and you play sure. against a team that's that's ready to come out and come out and beat you. So, yeah, I think it is. You, do, you are going to have to be aggressive. And I think that's kind of been the theme for LSU throughout the season. It's going to continue to be the theme, the theme for LSU throughout the season just because of, you know, what the defense is right now. No, and that's really funny. Peter said that the offense that LSU is facing is going to score seven. So I'll let you take it from there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're you're yeah. a kind guy. You're a good dude. <laughs> I, I'm, I love your optimism. I wish we had some of that over here. Because Auburn offense is currently averaging 150 passing yards a game and heavily relying on running the ball a lot. Uh, which is actually the inverse of what the LSU defense is uh, good at. Uh, they're or bat, what the, the LSU defense does. Uh, this, the LSU defense is only holding teams to 163 yards per game on the ground and allowing 282 passing yards per game. But even Brian Kelly himself has even came out and said that they're going to be looking at Peyton Thorne's uh, production running the running the ball. And I, I was looking at one of your tweets saying that he also said that if he had neighbors and Brian Thomas, he'd be throwing the ball a lot too. The problem with that is Auburn has a very talented wide receiver core. It's the issue is the arms throwing them the ball. <laughs> and even though this LSU pass defense is God awful, I still just don't know how well this Auburn offense is going to pass the ball with literally anybody at quarterback. <laughs> I get, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of pose that into a question since that may have been a little bit of Dylan projecting his inherent fear for this weekend. Um, yeah, was. <laughs> it may, may or may not be. This is an opportunity for LSU's defense to prove that they can do blank opening the field to you, Peter. Yeah, I think just you know be stable, get stops. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing you're looking for. You know, the biggest issue with the LSU defense right now is. It's, I mean, the back end is the biggest issue, but the single biggest thing I think LSU is trying to fix, the, their most fixable issue is tackling. LSU, I think against Ole Miss, 
I forget the exact number of, I think it was Brian Kelly said they missed 34 tackles for 284 yards. It, it doesn't matter who you have throwing the ball. It doesn't matter who you have on the outside. If you miss 34 tackles, it's, it's not going to go well for you. Um, you know, that's on pass play. That's on runs, you know, and that's, I mean, you know, even in the running game, you know, if LSU is missing tackles and five yard runs are turning into 20, you know, 15, 20, 30 yard runs, that's going to be an issue. Um, you know, especially in, in the short passing game as well. So I think this game it's an opportunity for the LSU defense to prove that they can get off the field. I mean, third downs have been an issue as well. We saw it get a little bit better against Missouri, uh, but get off the field on third down, tackle better. Cause I think if you do those two things, I think you match up relatively well against the sovereign team that, like you said, you know, they're not going to be able to take advantage of LSU on the back end the way that Ole Miss and Missouri could. So I think, you know, you tackle well in this game, you keep everything in front of you for the most part, then I, I think, we'll see a better performance from this LSU defense. And kind of inversely, and without getting too specific here, um, to kind of expand on what you're saying, I think if you're Auburn, let's 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 call a spade a spade here, folks. Auburn is a blue-collar, hard-nosed, run-the-football team. And they are an old-school, run, run run the ball down your throat, and I guess not as old-school as, as some may say because you still, you know people didn't used to run on the edge. They forgot that that was legal. But in, in today's modern world, the spread offense, Auburn is a – run dominant, we're going to play old school SEC ball against you. I think Auburn's goal there is to play a giant game of keep away. And and I and you kind of saw them do it against Georgia. And, and it almost worked. I mean it almost only counts in, in horseshoes and hand grenades. I get that. But to an element to an extent, if you're Q Freezing company and Peter you're more than welcome to chime in, tell me if you think I'm wrong. People do it all the time. So I don't, I don't take that in any offense to that. But I think that if you're Hugh Freeze and company, your goal is kind of to play this big game of keep away like you were playing backyard football when you're little. Of the less time we give Jaden Daniels to operate on the field, which granted the dude only needs like 12 seconds, I, and I know that. I'm not naive to that. But the less, uh, less time we can give LSU the football, uh, the longer we can stay in this game. Auburn's primary objective, regardless of what LSU's strengths and weaknesses are on, on, the, on the defensive side of the ball, true or false, should be to commit to the run game and try to bump up the averages in terms of what LSU is allowed to opponents. No, I 100% agree with that. And that was one thing that I kind of expected going into this game. I, I feel like Auburn is going to try to slow this game down and keep LSU off the field as much as they can. Because, I mean, I think, you know, I talked about the LSU defense looking to do that and, you know, against Missouri and how that could be a key. But I think that's going to be a key for Auburn against this LSU offense. Because, I mean, like you said, this LSU offense – you keep giving them possessions, um, you know, they're going to keep scoring. Four touchdowns. Uh, it, yeah, it, it, it almost, with how good this offense has been, it almost doesn't matter who who you are on defense. I mean, you're going to give a point to this team. I mean, they can just move the ball really, really well. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that is going to be a big key for Auburn. And LSU has been susceptible against the run. I mean, you know, talent-wise, the front seven still feels like the strength of this LSU defense, but – you know, there's still been issues in this tackling. There's still been, you know, a little bit of turnover, especially in the linebacker core. We've seen some guys, you know, not play as consistently as, you know, some fans would like. So, so yeah, I mean, I think, you know, just to go out there, you know, run the ball, establish the run, and kind of slow the game down. I think that's, you know, going to have to be the key for Auburn against, you know, what else his offense can do. And to just touch on the buzzword, Dylan, I know you're going to. In my opinion, it is indifferent about who's playing quarterback for Auburn to do that. Now, Dylan, I'll let you expand about how Robbie Ashford should be incorporated. I know where this is going. I, I will say, you know, you know who the, you know the last quarterback to throw for over 300 yards against LSU's defense was? Mr. Robbie Ashford. Robbie Ashford. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, when you play against a team where you're going to need the offensive firepower, it wouldn't hurt to probably play the guy who is the biggest playmaker in the quarterback room more often than not, especially on a defense that has been struggling, like Peter said, tackling. Uh, and might not hurt to have the guy who can – the quarterback who actually make people miss, unlike the guy who wants to spin zone into tackles, like we've seen Pey Peyton Thorne do very often uh, this season already. But honestly, if you, if you sit there and just allow Peyton Thorne just to get rampaged – like he typically does, even though this, the front seven is really good. Auburn's offensive line, very inconsistent. You need Robbie Asher to play, and you're going to need to play a lot. 
That's been a pretty common take. And uh, Peter, every single show, I don't know if you're familiar with the with anything to do with the college loop. If you've seen us on socials, you've seen Dylan do this. Any Robbie Ashford truthing you see is Dylan's work on our socials. <laughs> Sometimes you just got, you know, it, it's like a little kid. When they get on a tangent, you just kind of got to let them go. And, yeah, you see, now he's going to throw up the red zone, Robbie. You just, you just kind of got to let it happen. And then eventually they'll simmer down. They won't forget about it, but you give them a lot. It's like going to the doctor a little kid. You give them a lollipop and they, they shut up. But. The thing is, I got so much hate when it first happened. And then we watched Peyton Thorne play for the first time. And then I started getting a lot of backing behind my my Robbie Ashford trutherism. You see, this is another example, Peter, of me letting Dylan think that he started this. And I, I, I just let it happen. I did. I, 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 just, I, just I have the jersey. Yeah. Okay. Well, Let's give the score predictions here. And we always let the guests go go first, Peter. So it's all you, my man. Give us your Auburn LSU Tiger Bowl Death Valley night game predictions. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned that too. I mean, they, LSU just announced to, um, today, I want to say that the game's going to be sold out. So it's going to be a really good environment, you know, one that I'm looking forward to. But yeah, in terms of the score, you know, I, I think there's going to be points to be had. Every game LSU plays is going to be, you know, one of the highest scoring games that their opponent's going to have all season, um, at least in terms of SEC play. But I still think because of just the matchup and how Auburn plays, it's not going to be as high scoring as LSU's last couple of games. Um, but I think LSU is still going to win. I, I do still think, you know, especially in Baton Rouge, this matchup does favor LSU. But I think Auburn is, you know, going to make it really competitive. It's going to be a really good game. I just think, you know, LSU's offense is going to be a little bit too much. Um, but I've got a 34-27 LSU. Okay. Um, you know, I think LSU LSU's averaging 44 points a game. I just don't know if they're going to get enough possessions to, you know, get that many points. And I think Auburn's defense will limit them to a couple of field goals. Um, but I'm really interested to see, you know, can LSU hold a team of 27 points? And I think this might be the, the game to do it. So, um, so yeah, I've got LSU 34, Auburn 27. Okay. Wasn't it like the stat like five out of the last six Tiger Bowls was decided by just seven points or less? Yes. Yeah. At, and the outlier being uh, the 2019 Joe Burrow year, right? Uh, that was a three-point game. It was the uh, it was a TJ Finley versus Bo Nix Bowl. That's right. <laughs> that fever dream. <laughs> That's right. I forgot that that happened. I <laughs> mentally deleted that from my head. 20, 2021. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Peter. That prediction, even though you have LSU winning, that'll sit well with a lot of Auburn folks. Uh, a, a lot of Auburn fans, if you told them that that was going to be the outcome and that Auburn at least looked competent doing it, 90% of them would say, I can live with that. Um, I'm actually going to be a little more optimistic. Uh, I, I, I do think that Auburn stands a fighting chance, but I'm going to flip the score I gave to Dylan earlier uh, and, and and say LSU still wins this ball game. I was negligent um, in forgetting the, far, the, the, the part where this is a night game in Death Valley. And I know that the last time that happened, Auburn did walk away with the win. Um it took Bo Nix magic, uh, which, yes, Auburn fans, that was very much a thing. Don't forget that. I like I like LSU in this one, but I like it something goofy, like 27-25, um, like close, like super, super close. Um, I do think Auburn's defense is one of, if not the most competent defense LSU has seen this year, which if you would have told me I, I was going to say that three months ago, Peter, I would have called you crazy. But this defense has been a pleasant surprise, and, and there's a couple guys coming back off injury on both sides of the ball that could really contribute to this game for Auburn. I would not be surprised if they goofed up and did something wacky and wound up winning this ball game. Uh, I think it's winnable. I do think LSU is is on a little bit upset alert in this circumstance just because it's Auburn LSU. I, I know that you know people say that you know the past is the past and it plays no impact, but this rivalry really does. Uh, and and I, I think that they make for some of the most entertaining ball games in the world. And I think this is going to be nothing different. I really, I, I think it could be like Auburn's twenty five up twenty five twenty with a minute and a half to go. The ball falls in the hands of Jaden Daniels, and you just go up and win, win the ball game. Uh, and just something exciting and cool. That's where I'm at. Yeah, I, this game has been a really tough one. To, oh, well, okay, well, that happened. Well, functioning as an adult is apparently tough for you right now. Yeah, so that was a bit <laughs> to put on the sunglasses. I have convinced myself. Oh, boy. Here LSU, we go. LSU defense is bad. This Auburn offense is going to find a way to score. This game is going – light the mat, get the matches ready. We're going to have a barn burner <laughs> in Death Valley. This is going to be – I'm going to say Auburn gets the upset, but it's going to be a 42-39 to 39 Auburn win in Death Valley. Robbie Ashford scores three touchdowns. If Auburn scores 42 points against an SEC opponent – I will shave into a mustache. I say get rid of the Sunday. 
Huh? <laughs> Get rid of the mullet. I don't have a mullet. What are you talking about? Get rid about? of the locks. the locks. That's just not happening, bro. I'm sorry. Okay. Thank you for the uh, for the breakdown, Peter. I um, hope you're enjoying the show as much as we are. It's great having you on, man. Um, thorough yeah, breakdown. Sure. You uh, you know you know ball certified ball knower. Congratulations, proud of you. <laughs> I'm gonna we're gonna jump over real quick and just tell everybody if they are feeling loopy because Dylan's clearly feeling loopy. If he thinks this one's gonna be a barn burner and Auburn's gonna score forty plus points, um, I'm just saying the nearest building next to that stadium is gonna is gonna find a way to catch catch fire. That's that's the, it. Wouldn't be the I, first time in this rivalry. It that would night. not, and it won't be the last time. Believe me, this game's gonna get weird. <laughs> yeah, if you're feeling loopy, not like. Dylan is because Dylan might be on drugs right now. But if you're feeling loopy, we've got just a t-shirt for you. It's the most comfortable t-shirt you'll ever wear. Dylan, if you'll throw on the screen for me. Thank you so much, sir. Go pick up your very own feeling loopy t-shirt. They're $25 on the warreport.com. Come in five different colorways. And when I tell you the most comfortable shirt I've ever owned, I am not being exaggerative. This is truthfully one of the most high quality t-shirts I've ever owned. The College Loop Warreport Podcast Network co-branded feeling loopy t-shirt. If you don't feel like put typing in www.thewarreport.com in the search bar, that's okay. Neither do I. You can find that link in any of our descriptions wherever you find your podcast. And make sure when you pick up the t-shirt, take a selfie, throw it on Twitter, use hashtag feeling loopy. We'll throw it up on the next stream, the next show, whatever makes your heart content. All right. Ad break over. I feel like I could like audition to be an ad reader for one of those pharmaceutical companies. You know what I mean? Please do not subscribe to the college loop. If not, your doctor does not say it's healthy. Or if you're like, 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 Yeah, right. Yeah, I think I could do that. I think that that's, that's what my future is in, Peter. This is what happens when you get a journalism degree and you're not as, you don't know ball as well as you do, dude. So you're in good shape. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah. Anyways, on, onto a different side tangent. Dylan, we spent a lot of time inside the loop talking Auburn ball. We talked the Tiger Bowl today, which, by the way, if you're watching on the on the YouTube stream, make sure you drop on the in the comment sections your score predictions. We're ready for those. We want to see all of your score predictions. If you think that Robbie Ashford is going to come in and take the take the helm, let us know. If you think Jaden Daniels is going to, I don't know, like forget to show up to the stadium, that would probably bode well for Auburn. So drop that in the comments too. And if you want to support Peter, he will plug his information. Was also down below, but he'll plug his information at the end of the show. So make sure you go. Show some love to the wonderful, talented journalists over at Louisiana State University. Yes, Dylan. And uh, whoever gets the closest prediction will uh, put it up on the show. Okay. Why not? That's cool. That's just impromptu. This is just live, live pitching, and I love it. We do it all the time right here on the College Loop. All right, Peter, you ready to get into some outside-the-loop content? Because we've been inside. It's time to go outside the loop. Yeah, we'll come back to outside the loop. We're going to be doing our week. What week is it? Six? Week six? Week seven? Seven. Week seven predictions. And after the bye week, uh, Ian Tarr are still two games. Uh, I'm still two games behind Harrison Tarr. As he is now 40 and 20, I am 38 and 22. I simply know ball better than you. It's hard for you to swallow. But... I don't think that's true at all. Uh, but Okay. Uh, but so we have Mr. John Conley as the last place guest. Uh, he went six and four back to back weeks, but we still have a four way tie for first place. All at seven and three. So, all right, Peter. So if you can go eight and two, you're going to be the sole owner of first place in Pickums for all of our guests. I'm ready. I'm ready. Bring it on. Got a lot Peter said, I'm going 10 and oh, bro. What you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, starting off, we're going to kick it to that other town in the state of Alabama as the Arkansas Razorbacks travel to uh, that garbage heap that is Bryant-Denny Stadium to take on the uh, Elephants. Uh, Peter, you go ahead and take this one first. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's, it's got to be Alabama. Um, you know, just two teams that I think are moving in opposite directions right now. Bama seems to finally be figuring it out. I'm going to be Limerick A&M this week. So I think Bama wins and probably covers as well. Bama, cover. Plus, like, 10. Not close. <laughs> Sam Pittman, there's actually going to be a connection between these two teams soon, too, because Sam Pittman's going to be an awesome um, offensive analyst for the University of Alabama. Yeah, uh, Sam Pittman is not going to be the coach much longer at Arkansas. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just pick Alabama here. Now to to go to the Sun Belt, got the Georgia Southern Eagles traveling to the best football team in the state of Virginia. The James Madison Dukes, James Madison currently a six-point favorite, and somehow James Madison is not ranked, which is a heresy among heresy. Peter? Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's kind of a vibes pick for me, but um, I, I like the upset here. I'm going to go Georgia Southern. Um, you know, Clay Helton, 
Tom, coach down there. I'm going to go Georgia Southern with the upset. I'm going right there with you. Uh, Georgia Southern's got a lot of good things going for them right now. They're in the middle of what I think can be a rebuild to actually return to prominence in the Sun Belt. And, and I actually do think that they may be competing at the end of the year for a Sun Belt championship. JMU is clearly the best team in the conference. They are not eligible for a Sun Belt championship. Uh, Georgia Southern's got something to play for. I agree, Dylan. It's it's bull, bullshit. But Georgia Southern really has something to play for here. And with Coastal Carolina taking down App State last night, door is wide open in, in, in the Sun Belt. It, it is time for Clay Helton and, and company to go get that statement win this year. And I, I think they're a hell of a ball club right now, actually. Yeah, I, I, I'm on the on the wave of where I think Georgia Southern can probably win the Sun Belt this year. And it's going to be a sham because JMU is going to just win this game, probably cover, uh, just because it's a six-point uh, spread. But I'm going to go JMU here. I think they're the best team in the Sun Belt by far. And it's just so freaking lame that they're not going to be able to play in the Sun Belt Championship. Yeah, it is. It's so stupid. What a stupid, or a bowl stupid game. rule. Or a bowl game. Or a bowl game. We just won't be able to watch JMU actually do anything. And it's so dumb. All right. And now to go to the Pac-12, we have probably the best game of the year thus far, I believe, uh, ranks-wise. The number eight Oregon Ducks travel to Pull- Pullman? No, Seattle. Not Pullman. Pullman's Wazoo. Pullman's Wazoo. All right. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, travel to Seattle, Washington, take on the Washington Huskies. Uh, the number seven ranked Washington Huskies. The Bo Nicks versus Michael Penix. Washington's a three-point favorite. Yeah, this can be a really good game. I think uh, one that I'm looking forward to watching at least a little bit of. Um, but Washington, I love I love Michael Penix. I um, mean, that receiver core. I love that offense a lot. They've just looked really good to start the season. Oregon is a really good team, too. Um, what Bo Nicks done over there has been really cool to see. Uh, maybe not for Auburn fans. but um, some, some of them, yes. Some of them are actually <laughs> not all of them. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go Washington here. I think that's a statement win for them. Uh, I'm going to Washington. Going to go Washington. Yeah, Peter. I know I said you know ball, but not so fast, my friend. Um, I this is this is going to be, in my opinion, I think one of the games of the year. Like like Dylan said, I mean, not just ranking wise, someone is going to have a Heisman moment in this game, and it's going to be one 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 way or the other. I actually think this is going to be Bo Nix. This Oregon team, I know Washington's remained the top ranked team in the Pac-12 for the duration of this year, and they're a hell of a football club. But I think that Oregon may be one of the more slept-on teams in, in college football. And I say that. I know they're ranked. And I know they're a you know, top-10 program, top-15 team all year for, for, for the most part. But I don't think people realize that this Oregon defense has been taking care of business. And all that this offense has been doing has been boat racing people. And I don't really understand where, where we've been lost in the sauce. Michael Penix, hell of a ball player. Hope he's an Atlanta Falcon next year. Really do. Or Steeler. <laughs> or a Pittsburgh Steeler. Gosh darn it. <laughs> Tar, this might be a scouting game for you. You might be watching both your teams next quarterbacks. This is yeah, this is really a, a I'm a I'm a Steelers and Falcons fan for some context here, Peter. Um from Atlanta, Pittsburgh fan by trade. Anyways, yeah, this really could be the the Harrison Tars future quarterbacks bowl because uh Kenny Pickett and Desmond Ritter just aren't getting the job done. So boys, go ball out. Everybody stay healthy. Someone have their uh, their their Heisman moment, and I'll be I'll just be thrilled. <laughs> yeah. This game is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Oregon's got the better defense here. I have Bo Nix winning the Heisman. I'm sticking to that. I have Oregon in the playoffs for a reason. I'm rocking with the Ducks here. Peter, Peter I think we cut you off, my man. Go ahead. You know, I was just going to say where I put that said as someone who um, is you know kind of a fan of both the Bengals and the Saints. That's an unfortunate choice of, um, of teams. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Just I, I when I just thought I was getting to like you, man. I mean, come on. You know what? Yeah, we'll we'll have to we'll 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 pretend it didn't happen. We'll just pretend it didn't happen, and we'll move. Panda fan here. Panda fan here. I want to ignore the season's even happening. You'll, no one's talking to you. You're not you're not being spoken to right now. I'm sorry. Sorry, I have the most likable team out of the three. That's just sorry, objectively not true. What uh, what's about? The, no, okay, okay, Peter. You hate the, you hate the Panthers too, right? I mean, I honestly don't have much feeling towards the Panthers. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> okay, I can't stand them. So, but I can't stand the Aints either, except for Chris Olave. Have him on the fantasy team. Continue. <laughs> All right. Well, taking it back to the SEC, we got a battle of the block tees as the Texas A&M Aggies traveled to Neyland Stadium, take on the number 19 ranked Tennessee Volunteers. Tennessee's a three point favorite. Yeah, I, I like Tennessee in this game. Um, it's going to be an, another game I think it's going to be tough. 
Um, really good game. But AM coming off of what was just a really tough kind of emotional loss at home in Alabama. Um, this is kind of a game where I can see them kind of coming out flat. You know, Tennessee's got this game at home coming off a of bye. I just think that favors Tennessee in this game. So I think it's going to be close, um, but I've got, I've got Tennessee. I think this game's going to be really ugly. I, I just think there's going to be a lot of mistakes on both sides because both teams kind of feel like they're flailing. Um, I don't know. I mean, let me uh, let me just flip a coin real quick. No, not really. But I, I like Tennessee, but A&M very well could go in and win this game by like seven. Like I, that's entirely on the table. I'm taking Tennessee. Yeah, I like Tennessee's run game a lot. Uh, this seems like a game they could actually get uh, Joe Milton's arm back involved with the game yeah. and get Tennessee back on like sure. where they were supposed to be at this year. Uh, yeah, I like Tennessee a lot here, especially with it being in Neyland. Uh, and I just don't trust that A&M offense whatsoever. I just don't trust Jimbo Fisher, period. I mean, no one else does. but <laughs> Including A&M fans. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure if you started GoFundMe and College Station, you'd get that $76 million like, within a week. I, Mr. I can almost Mr. guarantee Seven and five himself. All right, now to the Big 12, where we got the Kansas Jayhawks, who are a three-point favorite, as they traveled to Stillwater to take on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Hmm. I like Kansas in this game. Um, you know, Oklahoma State got a, you know, kind of starting to bounce back after a rough start, but, um, you know, I, I like Kansas. I like Kansas. In this game. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to echo that right there. Uh, Oklahoma State lose, getting boat raced by South Alabama at the beginning of the year is all I needed to see to not pick them at all this year. Yeah, I, I love putting Oklahoma State on here just so strictly Tar has to pick against Oklahoma State at any given time. Mm. It's my favorite thing to do. Because I model my hair after Mike Gundy, yes. Yeah, and hopefully you don't model your coaching after him because uh, Lance Leipold and the Kansas Jayhawks are about to walk in the still water and walk out with a – you kidding me? Uh, I model my offense up. after him. I don't model my defense after him. <laughs> Neither's been all that great this year. <laughs> yeah, this year, but, I mean, yeah, anyways. Come back, Mason Rudolph and Chuba Hubbard. What about Spencer Sanders, man? He's just chilling on the bench. At, yeah, what, you know. what a wild move, bro. <laughs> <laughs> a yeah. great career move for him. He doesn't get tackled. He doesn't get drafted. He gets a nice degree from Ole Miss. Awesome, Damn. bro. You really went there. You really went there. <laughs> right, back to the SEC where we got some belt Billy traveling to take on <laughs> Beamer Ball himself. <laughs> and South Carolina somehow a two-point favorite in a game that might end like four to two or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, you want to talk about a game, you know, that might be ugly. Um, this one, I mean, I think this, you know, two teams that I've just haven't been high on, you know, kind of from the start of the season, but I actually do like South Carolina in this game. I just haven't been high on Florida um, this season, um, especially offensively. Um, you know, and I do, I do actually like Spencer Rattler a little bit. I think, um, you know, at home in the month of October, you know, I like South Carolina in this game. I, I, I think they win. I'm just not picking against South Carolina in October. Exactly. I'm not, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I uh, I say that I would pick South Carolina anyways, but that was a hilarious video that they posted that it's Cocktober. Um, that's great. Um, Spencer, this feels like a good game for Spencer Rattler to just come out and kind of do Spencer Rattler, good Spencer Rattler things, um, which he's had flashes of kind of all year. I am just underwhelmed by South Carolina, and they, they kind of stink. I thought they'd be a little bit better this year than they are, but um, Florida's horrendous, and Sunbelt Billy probably won't have a job after this year. So give me the Gamecocks. Yeah, I always forget that Florida's like a gross four and two. Like they're four and two, but they're the ugliest four and two you've ever seen. Like they have that good win versus Tennessee, but then they have that loss to Utah where they looked hideous. They beat who's McNeese, beat Tennessee somehow, beat and they struggled with Charlotte. That struggled heavily with Charlotte, then got whooped by Kentucky, and then just bullied Vanderbilt. But yeah, South Carolina's gonna win this game. Uh, a two point spread, so a little weird for this game. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's that is probably the weirdest spread I've. Is this an I've eleven a.m. slot? This is two thirty on oh SC Network. On SC Network, not a. Don't worry. Uh, CBS took the a how, Tennessee game. How did they beat the eleven a.m. allegations, bro? I have no idea. Probably because Arkansas is playing Alabama, and that's going to be a a blowout. And Georgia's playing Vanderbilt at eleven a.m. <laughs> Anchor down, but <laughs> that ain't happening. 
But now to start a nice little chain of some really fun games to watch on Saturday. You have the USC Trojans traveling to Notre Dame. Notre Dame is a three-point favorite. I think this is going to be the game of the week. Um, yeah. You know, two – another just really interesting matchup looking at where these two teams are coming into this game. Um, you know, Notre Dame coming back home after it's, it's really – tough loss to Louisville last week where they just did not look very good. Especially they didn't show offense. up. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. I mean, then you've got a USC team coming in who's undefeated, but defensively looks horrible um, to start the year, you know? So um, I think though, you know, with this game in South Bend, I think this is a bounce back spot for Notre Dame. I think they're going to really come to play in this game. And I think Notre Dame's going to going to win. And, um, you know, I think they're really just going to expose this USC defense. Um, so I think I think Notre Dame wins. I think Sam Hartman has a really good game. I agree. And, and it does – this game is a little bit of an internal conflict for me personally um, because I, I actually enjoy both of these teams being good, which is like one of – I'm in the severe minority, I know. But – I, Caleb Williams is a dog, and, and USC is going to put up some points. That's that's just going to happen. Um, and I would have I would be half tempted to pick them if they would not have played the whatever the ball game you want to call that was this past Saturday, uh, triple overtime out in Arizona. But I've got to take Notre Dame. And you said you think Sam Hartman's going to have a great game. I'm going to go as far as saying Sam Hartman has to have a great game. He looked horrible against Louisville. Three picks in back-to-back years against the Louisville Cardinals. Back-to-back seasons, granted different clubs. Still, he looked horrible. He's got to get back and got to get right. And this team can do it. I still think Notre Dame has the goods. I just think they had a couple of unfortunate losses this year that held them back from being what I think they're still capable of, uh, like, have the talent to be a college football playoff team. They won't be, but they have the talent. They also have probably the roughest four-game stretch out of everybody in the country. I mean, they went Ohio State – at Duke, at Louisville, and now they have USC, which out of those four, USC by far, unarguably, has the absolute worst defense right. that they have seen probably this year. I think Central Michigan might have a better defense than USC. Like that close. defense is bad. I mean, they've given up 40 points in back-to-back games. Uh, the Arizona and Colorado gave up 28 to Arizona State, who is probably the worst team in the Pac-12. And just overall just struggled defensively to even like – figure out how to make a tackle at times. Uh, I'm going Notre Dame here strictly because I like their defense and I like that matchup against a struggling offense versus a very god-awful defense. Yeah. Which is kind of the theme of the weekend, actually. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of the theme of the show. (laughs) Yeah. Well, now to kick it to the ACC, got the 4-1 Miami Hurricanes traveling to Chapel Hill to take on the 5-0 North Carolina Tar Heels. North Carolina is a three and a half point favorite in a game that's also going to be a very fun watch. Is it? Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about a team coming off of a rough last week. Um, you know, Miami, I'm really interested to see just how they come out in this game after what was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen at the end of that game last week. But um, but no, I like North Carolina a lot here. Um, you know, they're playing really well. Um, you know, I like Drake May a lot. And I think, um, I, you know, at home, it's a big game. I think they win and cover. I could see North Carolina really pulling away. And they're not a blowout, but I could see them winning this game by multiple scores. Yeah, I'm, I'm never picking Miami. Uh, it's just not going to happen now. Um, two things. One, I'd be remiss if I was not given the opportunity to say this, uh, but as the son of a rambling wreck from Georgia Tech and a hell of an engineer, I am not sorry, Miami, um, at all. And uh, Georgia Tech will continue to claim that one. Bowl game's back on, boys, so let's go. Um, just ignored the loss to Bowling Green. That's not important. Um, I would have fired Mario Cristobal on the field after not taking a knee. That's just me. Uh, I, he's a fantastic coach. I'm, I'm just talking BS, but at the same time, what the hell, dude? Uh, Drake May's got the goods. Dude's going super high this year and in, in this year's NFL draft. And UNC is for real until they run into the Yellow Jackets next week. <laughs> That's a statement you just said. You know, Georgia uh, Tech is ridiculously good at beating UNC when they're ranked. It's a absurdly high percentage. It's something like 78% of the time that Georgia Tech wins that game. Wow. That's, that's actually funny. I This game I've been looking at a lot. I Tara loves him some USC. I'm a big Miami guy myself. I do love the U. I think they just had a bit bit of a blunder versus Georgia Tech. I mm. think that's probably. I, I mean, they've been boat racing everybody all year. 
outside of that Georgia Tech game. Where I mean, Tyler just, Van Dyke sucks, but yeah. I mean, Tyler Van Dyke uh, has a he's a he's a good quarterback. Okay. I, I just think it was just a coaching blunder on Mario Cristobal's uh, coaching blunder. Cristobal threw three uh, threw two interceptions. Uh, he could have knelt the ball at Georgia Tech. Won the game. Cristobal threw two interceptions at Georgia Tech. Continue. <laughs> I mean, Tyler Van Dyke has more touchdowns this year than Drake May does. Just throwing it out there. Freaking sick. But, but Miami's <laughs> defense is only allowing 58 rushing yards per game. So I'm going to be rocking with the Miami Hurricanes here and a bounce back win for them. And I pre- I appreciate you giving me the win this week in picks. By the way, you talking about also in JMU. Hmm. So yeah, no, it's right. I, I'm going ten and zero. You're losing two games. Uh, I don't think so, sir. I no think much. you. Uh, I think you're crazy there. Who am I kidding? We're, we're both going to lose to Peter. So, <laughs> well, throwing it back to the SEC, we got a nice little interesting East matchup. Uh, got the Missouri Tigers traveling it to Lexington, Kentucky to take on the Kentucky Wildcats as well. Another one that, yeah, another one that's really intriguing. Um, you know, two teams coming off losses. You know, Kentucky just getting absolutely destroyed by Georgia last week, and Missouri losing a game that I think it feels like it probably should have won against LSU, a game that they were leading for a lot of, and you know, looked like they had a chance to pull away in the first half. Um, I I like Missouri a lot. Um, I, I like that offense a lot too. I think Luther Burden is not getting talked about nearly enough as he, as he should be. And I think um, Brady Cook is a good quarterback as well. Cody Schrader in the backfield. They've got a, just a really good offense. Um, I like Missouri in this game, uh, bouncing back. Uh, I think it'll be high scoring. Um, but, yeah, I like Missouri. M-I-Z-Z-O-U, Brady is cooking. Welcome to Rock with Mizzou here for all the reasons Peter said. Uh, Kentucky got boat race last week. And I think it's one of those like weekly games that happen with Kentucky. I think Kentucky still has a good chance to finish ten and two, with this being their uh, second loss, loss. This season yeah. against the Missouri Tigers, who are who I believe right now Missouri has a very clear path to finish second in the East. I, I mean, theoretically, they have a clear path to finish first in the East. Facts, actually, facts. All they got to do is beat Georgia. In theory, yeah. <laughs> in theory, and they just have to win every other game. Is that game in Athens? Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. I, yes. I hate everything. <laughs> I hate whoever made their stupid, stupid schedule. It's not. It's not right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think for the championship, you should be given the hardest schedule in the country. Have you season. come to terms with the fact that Georgia looked like the number one team in the country on Saturday? I did as soon as they scored that first touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. No. I. I had a you moment. I got there. I had a you moment. I was like, oh, yeah, that was, yeah. A me moment. I've just been trying to tell you they're way better than people have been trying to gas. I'm just saying, for a guy who claims they hate Georgia a lot, you you have those moments where I I think that you're rooting for them at times. No, that's called being. It's like as soon as they score no. a touchdown, I'm like Georgia's good again. That's what I get from you. It's like oh, game over. Georgia already won. By no, no. When they score a touchdown, I say game is over because Georgia has been good, unfortunately, for the past three years. I don't waste my breath. Peter, don't let him distort your opinion upon me. I look, I've I openly, openly despise the University of Georgia. It, that, it's clear as day to anyone that's ever watched this show. Dylan seems to think that I have this weird affinity for Georgia because I'm so mentally disturbed. I didn't see my favorite football team beat Georgia until I was nine years old. That's a pretty tough pill to swallow. Um, and now they're so good that I just mentally convinced myself that as soon as they touch the field, they've already won. Because you know what? For the past, what, 29 games in a row, I've been right. <laughs> so, yeah, don't yeah. let don't let Dylan gaslight you. <laughs> Continue, I mean, Dylan. Tar, tar is of the, the Georgia fandom. All right, so last game on the docket. Back to the Pac-12. You got the UCLA Bruins traveling to... Corvallis, Oregon, to take on the Oregon State Beavers in a game of the five-star freshman, Dante Moore, versus DJ Uyangalele. Yeah, this game's tough for me. You know, when I saw this one earlier, I've kind of been going back and forth on it ever since, and I'm really torn. Um, so um, I'm going to go Oregon State. Um, they're at home. I don't really have much <laughs> reasoning other than that, but I'm going to go Oregon State. Make it two. I'm also going to be rocking with Oregon State here. I think the defense is going to be key here. Uh, both teams, really good defense uh, on both sides. Uh, but the Oregon State offense has been a little bit more consistent 
than UCLA's has. So yeah, I'm gonna be rocking with Oregon State there to wrap right. up my ten and zero week. We've got our we got our pickums locked in. Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you've enjoyed the show as much as we've enjoyed having you on. It's been a pleasure. Let everybody know where they can find you, check out your work, where they can love you, where they can support you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Uh, my Twitter is at Peter underscore Radicus, so at my first name under, underscore then my last name. Um, you can find all of my work and all of you know the rest of our team at the Reveille's work at Um, You know, obviously everything LSU related. If you're an Auburn fan looking to you know kind of read up on LSU ahead of the game, you know, get some. Some preview just on the LSU side of things ahead of Saturday's game. Um, you know, it's a great place to go. Um, got a, a lot of hardworking students there um, putting together some really good content for the upcoming game. So um, LSURevely.com. That's um, L-S-U-R-E-V-E-I-L-L-E.com. Quick little self-spelling test. That was impressive. All right, right, right <laughs> off the dome. Thank you so much for joining us, man. If you guys are so inclined and you guys want to make sure you can support the College Loop, obviously make sure you go support Peter before you come back and do this, or you can go and do what I'm about to say before you go over and follow him on the Bird app and check out his work. Make sure you like, subscribe, and ring the bell right here on the YouTube channel. If you're listening on whatever Spotify, you, you know, I guess Apple Podcasts, whatever platform you find your your, your podcast and whatever makes you happy, give us a five-star rating, thumbs up, smiley face, whatever the hell it is for that platform. It sounds great to us. We certainly appreciate the feedback. Give us your comments. Like we said earlier, score predictions. Give us your feedback. We know you guys will not hold back, and that's our favorite thing about you guys is that you guys will let us know what you're thinking. We never have to wonder what the loopers, what they want, what they think. So that is something we're much appreciated by. We are at something south, just south of 640 subs on the YouTube channel. Get us up to 700 and we won't starve uh, Colin, who was not here today because he's foraging for food. Um, so, yeah, that's that's on you guys. Make sure you uh, make sure you feed Colin. And the number one way that you guys can support us, I know I said it once, I've said it a million times, subscribe. Just subscribe to the YouTube channel. It doesn't cost you a dime. And like the video. Make sure you have some support. If you want to feel a loopy t-shirt, that's in the description. And you can also check it out at warport.com. Five different colorways. Most comfortable shirt you'll ever own. I'm Harrison Tar. Add by Harrison Tar on the Bird app. If you want to come hang out with me, give me your takes. I know you will. You guys have in the past. I saw some really, really funny members of the loop community making some interesting comments on some former Auburn softball player um, on Twitter earlier today. And I just want to say bonk. And that's all I've got to say about that part. So, Dylan, I'll let you tell everybody where they can find and support the loop. You're laughing because you know I'm right. Um, <laughs> oh, no, I saw it firsthand, too. Don't worry. Yeah, no, no Peter was bad. The, we, there was some bonkage that needed to be happening. I was about to say, I, I don't even know the context, but I, <laughs> I, can, I can imagine. I've got yeah, their they're, they're bonk team six needed to come in and yeah. <laughs> need to get to work. All right, Dylan, tell everybody where they can find the loop, support the loop, and let's get out of here. And yourself, I suppose. Yeah, I'm Dylan Lark, of course, at you with the tank on Twitter slash X or Reader X is right there at Y A B O I the tank. Also, I have an Instagram at Dylan Lark at D Y L A N L A R C K. And of course, if you want to follow us here on the loop, you have us literally everywhere Twitter slash X, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, the works. And, of course, service right here on YouTube. We should like, comment, subscribe, leave your predictions. Again, if you have the closest prediction, we'll put it up on the show uh, and kind of celebrate you for knowing more ball than we do. Unless, of course, I got it perfectly right, and then everyone's going to know. Uh, but, of course, if you want to listen to the show as well, and you're tired of seeing our faces completely understand the guitar, ugh. ugh. You're the absolute worst friend I've ever had. I hope you know that. Cool. All right, and you, so if you try to see Tar's face, you can also catch us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. And of course, everything being said, that has been, or this has been, the College Loop pregame show for Tiger Bowl.